0: On Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tap of New Perspectives. Now that tax day behind us, all the reasons to worry are over, right? Well, not necessarily. This morning, we'll discuss what you should do if you're audited. We'll cover some myths that are generally associated with being audited, what different types of audits there are, and where audits can come from. Can an audit be a simple and easy process, or are they all as difficult as the stories that you've heard? Give us a call this morning with your comments and also any personal finance questions that you have. Our phone number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or also, you can send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
1: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Corva Coleman. Congress needs to complete a spending bill and send it to President Trump by the end of the week, where the federal government will partially shut down early Saturday morning. President Trump has apparently backed off his demand that any spending bill include funding for a border wall with Mexico. Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer says he is encouraged by talks with Republicans.
2: So far, the discussions between our two sides have been constructive and are progressing nicely. Without interference, I believe our two parties can come to agreement by the end together, by the end of the week.
1: Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin says a tax cut plan that President Trump will propose will boost the U.S. economy. Trump has said he'll unveil the plan tomorrow, but he hasn't discussed details. Mnuchin has claimed the plan will generate enough economic growth that the tax cuts will pay for themselves. He didn't discuss details either. The state of Arkansas executed two condemned inmates overnight. Jack Jones and Marcel Williams were put to death for rapes and murders they committed more than 20 years ago. Jones was sentenced to death for killing Mary Phillips in 1995. James Phillips is her widower and says the execution was overdue.
3: I hope the state of Arkansas and the government and the court system learns from this. It don't take 22 years to get something done get it done right, and people don't have to live like this or think about this for 20-something years. That's all i got to say.
1: The state of Arkansas plans to execute another inmate on Thursday. Turkey's military says its fighter jets have conducted airstrikes in both Iraq and Syria, targeting Kurdish militants. NPR's Peter Kenyon says the Iraq airstrike also claimed the lives of five Iraqi Kurdish soldiers. A military
4: statement says Turkish warplanes launched overnight and hit targets in the Sinjar Mountain area of northern Iraq and also in northern Syria. The statement says the outlawed Kurdistan Workers' Party, or PKK, used the areas to move weapons and fighters into Turkey. The PKK and Turkish security forces resumed a decades-long conflict in 2015 after reconciliation talks broke down. An officer with the Iraqi Kurdish Peshmerga forces tells NPR that the airstrike in Iraq accidentally killed five Peshmerga fighters and wounded several more. Peter Kenyon, NPR News, Istanbul.
1: Hendrick Motorsports has announced this morning that NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt Jr. will retire at the end of this season. The two-time Daytona 500 champion has been voted NASCAR's most popular driver 14 times. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has suffered concussions in recent years following crashes. On Wall Street at this hour, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up more than a percent, 211 points at 20,978. The Nasdaq is up 31 points at 6,015. You're listening to NPR News. The Writers Guild of America has overwhelmingly voted to authorize a strike if contract talks fail. Negotiations continue today between the Guild and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. The current contract expires next Monday. The Guild says it's committed to reaching a contract that keeps the industry working. A high-level conference is underway to raise more than $2 billion for life-saving aid for 12 million people at risk in Yemen. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva only 15 percent of the UN's humanitarian appeal for this year has been met.
5: The UN calls Yemen the world's worst humanitarian crisis. Nearly two thirds of the country's population, around 19 million people, need emergency aid. Nearly 7 million civilians are facing starvation. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says children are at the highest risk of death.
0: On average, A child under the age of five dies of preventable causes in Yemen every ten minutes. And this means 50 children in Yemen will die during today's conference and all those deaths could have been prevented.
5: Guterres warns many of the children who survive will be stunted for the rest of their lives. He urges donors to provide the money needed to save lives. For NPR News, I'm Lisa Schlein in Geneva.
1: Officials in Pakistan say at least 10 people have been killed in a roadside bombing of a minivan. Several more people were wounded. A faction of the Taliban has claimed responsibility for today's attack in a remote northwestern region of Pakistan. I'm Corva Coleman, NPR News.
0: Support for NPR comes from Hulu with The Handmaid's Tale, adapted from the novel by Margaret Atwood. A story of survival in a near-future society where a cruel regime rules in what was formerly the United States, starring Elizabeth Moss and premiering tomorrow on Hulu.
2: You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio.
0: This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter Johnson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College, President of New Perspectives. Also from New Perspectives, we have Ryder Taff. So tax day is come and gone unless you filed an extension. No worries until next April. Well, not for everyone. This morning, we're going to talk about what you should do if you're audited. We'll come or cover some of the myths that are generally associated with being audited, what different types of audits there are, and where audits can come from. Can an audit be a simple and easy process, or are they all as difficult as the stories that you've heard? So give us a call this morning if you've had some experience with an audit, uh, maybe an accountant out there that's had some experience with it, or if you have any personal finance questions, we always look for those on Tuesday morning. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one 672 7464 You can email the show money. At mpbonline.org. So good morning to you both. Hope that you're doing well. Good Good morning. morning. So anything exciting uh, happen during the weekend? Well, I
6: would just like to point out that Ryder is in my chair.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I got here first.
6: Um <laughs> uh, well, I, I thought my name was on that, Kevin. Was that not right?
0: It, it's not. I, I uh, have
6: seniority around here. <laughs> well,
0: that's true. In I, more I,
6: ways than one.
0: However, I am going to stay out of this. <clears throat> but glad to have you both here. Got lots of uh, financial advice on hand uh, for anybody that wants to call in. Um, uh, it's... Um, I'm trying to think if I did anything exciting this weekend, and I guess I really didn't. I did have uh, tennis practice. I, our team is gearing up. We are uh, vir- by virtue of default in the uh, state tournament that ends uh, that starts in the later June. Uh, at my level, that's
6: exciting. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, At My level,
0: there's not enough. Uh, Teams, so each team. has so so you're going right to the top. There. Exactly. Yeah. we've qualified for the, for the state tournament. So make uh, sure
6: you have lots of water because June around here is get, it's pretty hot. Middle
0: well, of the day. Well, yesterday, I, uh, I know a guy that's on the tennis team at Millsaps, and he helps me out with some lessons. And yesterday afternoon, I, I got actually got sick, and I think it was odd <laughs> because I wasn't feeling kind of overly you know, spent or whatever. But I think the the uh, heat got to me. And so that's exactly what I was thinking of. It's going to be even worse in, in late June there. So, you know, my
7: my definition of what's exciting is a little different from most. But since our topic is is post-tax related, there's supposedly a big tax uh, bill proposal coming mm-hmm. tomorrow. Right. I think that's very exciting because I just like to see how confused people get when they propose how to make taxes simpler. They think it's all about like, oh, five brackets. That's so complicated. Oh, no, it's that's, that's the easiest part about taxes is the brackets. It's but, every other line that you worry
6: about. Exactly, but we think that maybe it might be easier on the corporate side, and certainly the proposal that is to lower the corporate tax to 15%. Of course, they're going to have to find the money they lose by doing that, but that would certainly push the stock market market even further
7: well and that's and there's a lot of there's a lot of talk that the, that the expectations of cutting taxes for corporations has been what's driving a lot of the stock market returns lately. Because when you think about it, if you you know we have a 35 percent corporate tax rate, if you cut that down to even 25 percent, uh, that's a lot more money but, that those corporations get to keep.
6: Right, we of all course, know that most corporations don't pay anywhere near that top rate. Uh, their rates are much lower. In fact, corporations keep two sets of books, and that's common knowledge one set is for the irs where you keep your income low and one set is for the shareholders where you keep your income high
0: (laughs) right so I heard that it's uh, apparently the president is a framework for the, the new tax uh, deal. And uh, he's not a whole lot of specifics at this point. But also, I would imagine, obviously, Congress will be involved. And so there will be some interesting uh, negotiations going on before I think we maybe get a, a finished uh, product. But obviously something to keep an eye on. Uh, what about uh, some other financial news?
6: Well, um, this is home buying season. So you see a lot of activity in that area. And looking at the numbers, existing home sales look very good. And what's dropping off are uh, housing starts, uh, starting new construction, and the permits are dropping. Not sure exactly what is going on there. I am also watching this new rider uh, tariff on lumber coming from Canada. Is that going to lead to higher cost on new homes and that type of construction, Mm -hmm. which would push the price up for all
0: homes? Right. All right, so uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh being audited this morning, uh, but also we always look Do
6: we have to? I'm going to be like can we just pretend they're not there?
0: <laughs> well, it's not maybe not as bad as, as as some people might think. Also, though, always looking for your personal finance questions, so give us a call this morning. The number is 1877 MPB ring. The number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 672 7464 or send an email to money at org. Our producer Jay White did a good job of giving us a lot of information about audits. And as I was going through it this morning, the one thing I did get was that while they occur, that's still, you know, a very small percentage of taxpayers uh, that actually small. get that. So- <laughs> Uh, so if you have been audited or gone through the process, uh, if you would, wouldn't be uh, mind-willing uh, to share what that process was like, you could give us a call this morning as well. Um, so actually, we have an early caller on the line. So why don't we start things off by going to Van Cleave as we say good morning to Richard. Hello, Richard. Good morning. What's your question?
3: My question is what motivates a company to raise or lower dividends?
7: Well... Uh, Richard, that's a great question. One of my favorite quotes about dividends is it's the quarterly reminder to the board of directors that somebody else owns the company. And so they like paying dividends because uh, dividends, they're a sign of kind of if they have a consistent dividend, it's a sign of financial strength. If they're able to raise their dividends, that's generally a sign that they have more money than they need. And you want a company that has more money than it needs. Also, a dividend is part of the return you earn from owning the stock. So if the stock, you can earn money when the stock price increases and you can earn money from that dividend. And so again, if the company has a lot of money, it doesn't have other things to invest in necessarily at the time, You know, they've they've been very successful and they see that success continuing then they can just raise that amount of dividend that they pay you, and so that raises your overall return.
6: And I will say that investors generally like those dividends, mm-hmm. and um, there is this attitude out there that uh, you cannot lower a dividend because you're going to see your stock punished. So right. it's very rare for them to lower the dividend. That usually is a sign of some really serious financial trouble. Mm-hmm. And there is a push for them to um, Raise those dividends on a consistent basis, and that that stock price will yeah. go up short in the short term in response to a raise in
0: in the dividend
7: yeah that that dividend is uh, it's a powerful bit of bit of pressure people uh people see on the company
0: all right Richard, uh, thanks for your call we've got some open phone lines if you have a personal finance question or if you want to join the in our discussion on auditing uh, the number is one eight seven seven m p b ring our phone number is one eight seven seven Six seven two seven four six four. 672-7464. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Before we jump into that, the one other thing I thought about uh, financial news in the news, something I heard a report on this morning on Morning Edition, and that is um, I think a shareholder group is uh, wanting to ouster, I think, the entire board of directors at Wells Fargo. That's Uh, fair. That's totally
6: fair. (laughs) After what they've been
0: through. Yeah, pretty terrible. Yeah, but I mean, that's somewhat um, unheard of, though. I mean, that's not.
6: Um, Not unheard of. You have to have a big enough group with enough shares that they have enough power to then do that. And so one of the most important things a shareholder does is vote for those directors who serve on the board and make decisions about the company. And uh, most of the time, it's just a standard, you know, okay, I'm just going to let this Mm -hmm. one go. But if you have some problems in a company, and Wells Fargo has had a lot of problems, a huge scandal, then maybe you're ready just to kick the whole bunch out. And so we have a lot of our bigger retirement plan, California's plan, for instance, that has enough power because they have enough shares that they can uh, be an activist.
0: And then I guess they're looking for obviously people with a different sort of mindset. Uh, the, the, or the, I mean, what 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 do you look for in, in a good board of directors? Uh, one thing that I've I've been paying a lot of attention to
7: recently is is more and more research is showing diversity on boards is very important. Uh, having female and minority directors, and and not just female and minority, but people from different backgrounds. If everybody was in the same class at Wharton together they're going to have probably all the same view and if some new thing happens in the economy or a new opportunity presents itself to the company they're all going to have the same reaction you're not going to have a good discussion about oh hey well you know that didn't work out so well for this company in my experience this happened Uh, so having diverse opinions diverse views diverse experiences on the board is very important um yeah you know, so you want your directors to be a range of ages a range of backgrounds and and so that's that's very good for just the strength because the the more the more discussion you can get and then the better the decisions are going to be out of that group and the board is just making decisions for the The company. The other
6: thing is you want independence. You don't want a group that is rubber stamping the CEO's directives. And uh, you want a group who's willing to ask the questions, the tough questions, and hold the management's feet to the fire. And uh, because they're representing the shareholders.
7: And sometimes that can be hard to tell. You know, oh, how do I tell if they're just rubber stamping or if they're just agreeing? You know, you'll read some of this stuff in the news, but particularly if you see people, if you see directors who, have, who came on the board maybe around the same time as the CEO or the chairman of the board and they've stuck with it and they all, you know, When they send you uh, the materials to vote on, they'll send you a a bio of every director. And so you can kind of say, oh, hang on, these these guys all live in like the same neighborhood Mm. and like belong to the same country club. All right, well, that's getting a little dull.
0: You know, it's a bit of a tangent, but my brother and I have done a lot of escape rooms. And one thing that we discovered the last (laughs) time we did that, and this will make sense Mm -hmm. in just a minute. uh, I
6: know you're going. Is that
0: when you have a group of people that at first we thought we wouldn't want to do it with people we didn't know. But really, it helps because. He and I have a similar, we're, you know, we're related and all that. So we kind of approach things from a similar viewpoint. And when you have people that you don't know, they can bring in a different view, a different way of looking at things. And I think it's what sort of what Ryder was saying. When you have that different backgrounds in that board of directors, you're going to have a more inclusive, um, you know, different ways to look at, at the same problem. And it's not just, you know, laser focused like that. So, Kevin,
7: that has got to be the best example of the importance of diversity I've ever <laughs> yeah, heard like, escape room. That's a that's (laughs)
0: All righty. Hey, we need to take our first break when we get back. uh, Tim's on the line from Tupelo. We'll get to his question. And we've got some open phone lines. If you have a personal finance question or if you want to talk about auditing, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Back with more Money Talks after this.
2: Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio.
0: Maybe you start your day with the news on Morning Edition and catch up later with all things considered, but the news doesn't wait. Stories evolve during the day in courtrooms, financial markets, on the streets, and at kitchen tables locally, nationally, and all around the world. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Each weekday, check in with Here and Now for the news as it is happening. That's Here and Now from WBUR and NPR News.
2: Weekdays at
5: noon on MPB Think Radio.
2: You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Call
5: 1-877-MPB-RING.
2: That's 877-672-7464.
5: Or email money at mpbonline.org.
2: This is MPB Think Radio.
0: Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taft from New Perspectives. We're talking today about uh, the audit process of the IRS. Also, we're looking for any personal finance questions that you have. Uh, if you've had an experience with being audited, uh, if you would, sh- let us know. Share with us. Uh, how did it go? Was it a horror story or did it go uh, simply and painlessly? Uh, the number to call if you'd like to join the conversation is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number, one 877 672 you can also email the show money at org. as promised we've got to tim on the line from tupelo who has a question for us good morning tim
8: yeah how are you doing good
0: what do you have for us today
8: listen i'm having a house uh built and i'm gonna close on it before i sell my existing uh house and i have a good bit of equity in uh the, the house that i'm living in now i'm i'm, I'm going to sell it but i was wondering will i be taxed on the uh the profit I make from the house I'm living
5: in now. I, you
6: shouldn't be because that's your primary residence, right?
9: Right, right.
6: Yeah, so um, you have up to 250000 per person. So if it's a couple, it's 500000 of gain that is not taxed. And so that will still be considered your primary residence. You will sell that, not worry about You will report all of that, but you won't have to pay taxes on it. And then the new house that you just built... That will then become your primary residence, and at some point down the road, you may sell that and have the same situation, if our tax laws don't change.
8: Oh, okay. Well, I really appreciate it, because I, w- I was hoping I wouldn't be taxed on the equity I have in my existing uh, house, you know.
6: Well, you just have to sell it, but it uh, looks like it's starting to look like a seller's market right now, so you probably are in good shape.
8: <laughs> uh, that's what I'm hearing. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking my call. Okay. All right.
0: Thanks for the call, Tim. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We have some open phone lines if you'd like to uh, maybe share an experience you had being audited by the IRS or some questions about that, or if you have a personal finance question, the phone number, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Next on the line, Linda from Port Gibson. Good morning, Linda.
9: Yes, I've been audited before, and uh, I, I started working. For, uh general services administration in uh eighty mm-hmm. three and uh I had somebody else do my income contact and uh they did include uh uh they included the fact that I was legally blind right and uh but there was no documentation hmm yeah they came on my job as two of them They came on my job and uh, uh, didn't give my boss any trouble. He told me if he need me to give him a holler. And uh, they asked me questions uh, about my eyesight and everything. And I had all of my documentation together, all of my medical reports. And both of them looked at it and said, uh, from uh, now on, just make sure that you keep this with you and we won't have to bother you again they left out with a smile on their (laughs) face
0: and probably a huge sigh of relief from you i guess well that's an unusual situation Um, oh yeah they will come on your job mm -hmm. yeah a man and a
9: a man and a, a lady
0: what a band was mean, look me
6: looking at you. I think I think that's a requirement at the IRS, isn't it?
0: <laughs> hey, all right, Linda. Thanks for the call. Good uh, insight there on that one.
6: And Kevin, um, uh, as we said earlier, it's very rare to have an audit. Uh, most of the time, it's going to be somebody who has a small business, mm-hmm. and especially if you have a small business that you have. Uh, year after year of losses showing up there, that will raise a red flag. They have certain criteria that they're looking for. But right now, I'm not as worried about it because we are hearing about cuts in that agency uh, and some pullback on that. So I think it's going to be coming even rarer to see that. And
7: I think uh, Linda raised a good point. If you're taking a deduction or exemption or something uh, for something unusual, uh, like being blind, um, make sure you have the documentation. Uh, whenever you put anything down on your 1040, make sure you have the documentation to back that up. Uh, not everything is something you need to send in to them, but if, if any questions are raised... You need to have the documentation. And, and another thing that may be fairly common uh, is things like charitable donations, uh, particularly when you get in-kind donations or maybe you donate a lot of stuff to a thrift store. And and so maybe you're itemizing your deductions and you say, okay, well, I donated $1,000 worth of stuff to you know, the Salvation Army have a have a receipt and have it as detailed as possible. The Salvation Army isn't necessarily going to put prices on there, but have it as detailed as possible and justifiable prices there so that you do have that documentation, even if that's not something that you are sending in. And make sure you keep that documentation for a few years uh, because it's you know, they don't audit you you know, right away.
6: And I make sure if there's any in-kind donations, if I've taken things to our local, uh, we have a 4Cs, um, that I'm very reasonable and I usually lowball that number as far as what I think the value is.
0: Uh, yeah. And, uh, um, you, later in the show, we we're going to talk about some things to do if you do get audited. And, and actually, documentation was one of those mentioned. And that exactly right. If you're going to do that, uh, make sure that you have the documentation to back it up. It does say if you uh, if you don't have it to try to sort of reassemble it from uh, from third party, uh, maybe like go back to the uh, the charity and see if they can't help you out. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, the example here is if you're being audited because you wrote off 100% of your car usage as a business expense, uh, a mileage log, and other evidence that the car was used only for business certainly would be helpful there. So, uh, you know, uh, if you're and of course, if, I think unless you're openly trying to cheat, which I don't think most people do, you know, you should have uh, the documentation to back up uh, most of your claims on your tax. Um, the other the thing that we're going to talk about are maybe some common myths, uh, this courtesy of uh, TurboTax. And the first one is that you should be afraid of an audit. And a lot of times it's a situation like uh, Linda just mentioned, uh, you know, we need to see this documentation. In her case, uh, she had made the claim about being legally blind, and so they uh, just wanted to have that uh, documentation. And so, a lot of times, it's a very straightforward and easy uh, thing to uh, to solve out. Uh, so, uh, don't don't be too worried um because you know as i say a lot of times it's just a, a clerical thing and it can be easily cleared up and that certainly uh, seems to be the case uh, from uh, Linda's experience when she called in to share with us today so we're on money talks talking about an IRS audit if you have been through the audit process and want to share your experience with us we'd certainly appreciate a call the number is 1877 MPB ring our phone number is 1877672 Seven four six four. You can also uh, send or call in with any of your personal finance questions that you might have today. Another myth is that professionally filed returns are audit proof, and again, <laughs> uh, this is not the case. Um, I thought the, it was interesting. A uh, writer, maybe sometimes uh, those professional um, tax return folks get to be a little bit over aggressive in trying to get you the most uh, from your tax return. That sort of thing. Well, I think we need to take the word professional prepare with a
7: grain of salt. There is no there's no standard for being. The IRS does not have a standard for being a tax preparer. Literally anyone can take your money in exchange for preparing your taxes. I I mean, I'm a financial person, but you know, you could pay your child to do your taxes for you. And the IRS would be like, yeah, yeah, that seems legit. <laughs> um, but then again, they might look at your taxes and find out they're not legit. Uh, so a lot of these places where you know you see these storefront type places that kind of open up, um, they're in, and they're getting a little better nowadays because just they're running through software packages and the forms that we receive are getting better. But Again, there's, there's no, there's no professional standard there. They're not obligated to, they're not necessarily going to know everything about your situation. You know, you might hand them, you know, your W-2 from one job, but forget about your other job. Well, the IRS gets a copy of your other W-2, you know, so they're going to know about some things that that tax preparer might miss, that tax preparer might just not think to ask you about, um, so going with a, a CPA firm, if, if you're very concerned about your taxes being filed very accurately, um, rather than just or, or a you know, some sort of professional accountant, professional bookkeeper who has a little more experience, a little more reputation than one of those fly-by-night storefronts.
0: Um, Nancy, any other thoughts about if you did uh, if you want to go the have someone prepare your returns for you? Some ideas to think of, uh, sort of on the front end.
6: Well, I think you need to um, ask around. You want to look for somebody who's been around for a long time, who has a good reputation. As Ryder said, um, I do prefer dealing with CPAs and they have been trained in that area, and um, they have continuing education, so hopefully they're going to be up on the latest tax changes yeah. because, as we have seen this week, we are seeing proposals for new tax laws, and so there's, this is constantly changing, and you have to be abreast of all the latest things to, to be able to do this properly.
7: This is, uh, That's especially important if you run a business because, again, more likely to be audited, more complicated tax situation, more forms they're going to need to prepare. Going with a CPA, that actually is a professional who is held to a higher standard, uh, again, than someone who pays a guy $5 an hour to hold up a sign that says tax in front of their storefront.
0: And also, as I think, it's it's a fairly competitive marketplace, and I think as as the uh, the folks at TurboTax uh, uh, mentioned, um, they might be a little bit too eager to try to get you that biggest return and maybe do something that's not uh, quite right. Let's see if we can't get a call in before our next break, and it goes to our friend Frank and Jackson. Good morning, Frank.
8: Hey, how you guys doing? Hi, good. Good. good morning, Frank. Before we get started, you guys promise not to cut me off.
6: Oh, I can't promise that. I'm not in control of the buttons. <laughs>
8: Well, can somebody assure me I won't? Because you always cut me off because every time I call you guys or giving bad information, you guys cut me off.
6: Oh, golly. Okay, well, go ahead. We'll see what happens.
8: Okay, number one, yes, sir, there is a certified professional tax preparer, certified and registered by the IRS. My wife works for uh, H&R Block, and sure enough, she is striving to get that certification. So CPAs are not the only professionals who have special standing before the IRS. Sure. All right. Yes, there are certified IRS tax prepare professionals who are not necessarily PPAs. Number two, I got audited because my wife made a decimal point error in mileage where we were showing 50,000 miles a year for uh, business travel. So, of course, the folks showed up.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a big one.
8: The third thing... It is. I like to get your opinion on the IRS now, as being forced by Congress to allow independent uh, debt collectors go ahead and start calling people about IRS back taxes. I suspect that H and R Block and TurboTax are behind this and paid the lobbyists to get it through, and they're going to go into the tax collection business as well. But as as as, as financial professionals. Do you see any peril in the IRS allowing this to happen? And now you
7: can cut me off. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call, Frank. Can I take this one? Take it. All right. So do I see any peril in this? Yes. Uh, Do I know who's behind it? No. It may not be H&R Block or TurboTax doing this. Uh, There's already a lot of debt collection agencies out there in they probably just want to have more debts that they can go collect. Um, so again, H and R Block and TurboTax, they might not want to be that person uh, hounding you for your taxes. But I don't think it. I don't think it's a very good idea. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of having having the IRS outsource that debt collection because the IRS agents are, you know, uh, professionals of our government. Um, who are held to certain standards and, uh, debt collection is a fairly unregulated industry. Uh, and you can, and just the horror stories that come out of private debt collection, I would not want that. Um, want to see that affecting more and more people who, because, because taxes are something, you know, you might not even realize that you have a tax debt out there. Um, you know, if you had, you know, you know, when you take out a loan, um, a legitimate loan. But oftentimes, you know, with taxes, it might be, you know, it's, it could be a mistake on your filing and then you moved. So you never got the notices. Um, and it can be, it can be things that you just, you just don't think of as debts that somebody is hounding you over. And so I do not think that that's a very good idea. Uh, but also do, uh, thank you for pointing out there are other certifications, but again, those certifications are not required to do your taxes, um, but if somebody is holding themselves out as a professional, always ask what their qualifications are, and then double check those qualifications yourself. You can always just search them online see if there's see if they're legitimate or not.
6: Uh, also, know that um, I'm not sure how much formal debt collection the IRS has to do because they have the authority to just reach their hands into your bank account and take the money if you owe them. Yeah. And so if they can find you and find whatever money you have, they can even wait for that paycheck to come through every few weeks and just take it. So not yeah. sure what the purpose is and, and who would yeah. fit that uh, bill of hiring somebody to do that extra work.
7: Yeah, they already have the tools and the yes. authority. Why, why would they give up that?
0: Okay, uh, we've got some callers on the line, but we need to take a quick break. So we are going to do that. When we get back, we've got folks in Mobile, Jackson, Oxford, and on the road to get to. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be back with your phone calls after this short break.
6: From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at
5: mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Yazoo City was a a huge emotional experience for Willie. He had written the book, Yazoo, about uh, the integration of a deep southern town.
2: From the 70s onward, was when true integration really existed within Mississippi. And it just so happened that that was the era in which I matriculated
0: through schools. I, mean, I didn't realize this at the time, that I was really brought up in a utopia. Yazoo Revisited, Friday night at 8 on MPB TV. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
5: Call
2: 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or
5: email money at mpbonline.org.
2: This is MPB Think Radio.
3: Our best.
0: This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff of New Perspectives. We're talking today about an IRS audit, also looking for any personal finance questions that you might have for us. Uh, the number to call is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464. You can send an email to money at org. Before the break, Frank's call talked about the idea of uh, debt collection agencies being involved in collecting some of IRS debt, and uh, we talked about whether that was a good idea or not. Our producer uh, Jay White came up with a good point. Right now, uh, you know, if you get if if there's some sort of tax related issue with the federal government, you know that you are going to get it from the IRS, and they say that they will never email you; they will contact you with a letter or via a phone call. Uh, If we let third party people into that process uh, with uh, that that on the debt collection end, to me, that just uh, increases the uh, the the risk factor for identity theft and that sort of thing. So, and lots of lots of frauds. I mean,
7: if if now it's If the IRS says, oh, you might get a call from a third party asking for money, oh, now someone's going to start calling people saying, oh, hey, send me money via Western Union uh, right now or the IRS is going to arrest you, and that might be legitimate. Previously, we've been able to hang up on those
0: calls. Right. All right, got some phone calls to get to, so we'll start again in Jackson. Gail's on the line. Good morning, Gail. Good morning.
5: Thank you for taking my call. Sure, go ahead. I'll try to make this really quick, and then I'll get off so I can hear what you have to say. All right. Back in 2015, in October of 15, my son received a final medical annuity of 750 thousand dollars, and he filed his taxes in 16, and he did it through H&R Block. And I, he had been receiving payments for years before that, where of course they did not, he didn't have to pay any taxes on it. But this time, when he filed his taxes. Uh, he was told he had to pay taxes on it. So he paid taxes on it, and then this year when he and I were discussing everything, he told me, Mom, they told me I had to pay taxes on my on my big annuity when it came in last year. And I was very much alarmed over that fact, and um, I told him that he needed to go back to H&R Block, explained to them that obviously they had messed up. Now, am I wrong? It was a medical annuity that he had had, and it was the final payoff payment. Um, and he had never had to pay taxes on the 35000 a year that he had received for the 10 years prior. Um, and I'm just curious, is it true that he did have to pay taxes on the final amount? And if so, then I'm just going to let it go. And if not, then I'm really going to push to go back to H&R Block and have them straighten us out.
6: Gail, let me ask you this question. Um, where did this money come from?
5: It came from a medical annuity from an injury from back when he was uh, eleven years old.
6: Okay, so he got the injury, and
7: was was that a was that like a a lawsuit annuity?
6: Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I would think that at the time you received the money, that would have been when that income would have been declared. Does that make sense, Ryder? Um, possibly,
7: it depends on how, so it's like a structured settlement, I'm right. guessing, and it just depends on how that was structured. Typically, that's not taxed, um,
5: oh, yeah. so. I was told at the time that I actually structured the annuity,
7: uh-huh.
5: um, that it, and it is, it is a medical annuity period. And that there would be he would never have to pay taxes on that until he started earning money from it, like investments or anything like that.
6: Right. Did you get any paperwork from the oh, annuity yes. company showing oh, yes. a breakdown? And did they report that as all pure income?
5: Yes. Uh, as income? What do you mean as income?
6: Uh, as the whole 750000 Did they report that as income?
5: No. No, it was not reported as income. I, I think as far as H and did report it as income, though it wasn't income, he filed on his regular taxes.
7: I think you can make sure and double check with a company who is actually sending the payments, because if if somebody is sending you payments and there's you know a tax consequence for any of those, they will most likely be filing a tax form as well, and so they'll be able to provide you with a tax form and they can't provide tax advice but they can help you understand it a little better and at the amount that you said that it was it would definitely be worth uh, enlisting the help of a CPA and uh, Um, the
6: the paperwork that somebody sends you uh, an annuity company, an insurance company mm -hmm. I'm assuming um, that is going to, they will also submit copies to the IRS so they're going to match those and so if there's a difference then that's where you could have an error but I would suggest you actually Um, talk to a CPA and take this old information in, you can uh, refile old taxes if there are errors Mm -hmm. on them and get money back. So certainly it would be worth that amount of time to pay somebody for an hour or two to to take a look at it and see if you actually have a case.
9: Awesome.
5: Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I have all the original paperwork and then anything else that was ever sent. So um and again like i said i was very alarmed when he told me so and so it's definitely i'll be proactive on right now so yeah, i appreciate the time. thank you so much because yeah. that will
0: be a big tax bill good luck thanks gail for the call let's move on next we've got shelton in oxford good morning go ahead please
8: yeah thank you for taking my call um my question is i've been an auditor for the first time and i want to know what is the process behind that and secondly does it affect my like uh, my credit history or my financial history in terms of like getting a loan in the in the future or buying a car? That, that kind of situation.
6: Well, the audit itself shouldn't be a problem on your credit uh, unless there is tax money that is owed, and that would show up on your credit report. And um, so that's going to be a separate issue. If you have been audited, you just need to go back and look at, um, you know, do you have, again, all your paperwork together, all your documents, and find out were there errors. And there could be. There could be errors where you actually missed something and you owe some money. And as long as you clear it out, I don't think there's going to be a problem there.
7: Um, Again, if you're being audited for the first time, have every single thing that you sent to the IRS And every single thing that you forgot to send to the IRS, make sure you have documents backing it. Uh, So for most people, just go back and look and see what did you put on your 1040. That's your, you know, your main filing and go through every line that you put a number on and say, okay, well, where are all my documents is saying that that is the correct number. And then oftentimes people get an audit because they forgot something. Maybe a bank sent you a 1099 or a brokerage sent you a 1099 and they're in that form was missing some information, this could be totally not your fault, totally not something you could even do anything about um, unless you had all this extra information yourself. So think of all of the financial institutions you've interacted with over the, the time you're being audited and get any statements from them and you know it may have been you forgot to put something on a form it may have been they filed a form with the IRS that had incomplete information i've seen that happen a lot and that's usually just a matter of you know, getting the correct information and showing the IRS that and refiling
6: the biggest problem that we see is that you know things are very slow at the irs so if we have a client yeah
7: who
6: for who forgot to put something on their taxes it may be from three years ago Mm
7: -hmm. oh yeah
6: and so the real problem is you better make sure you keep all your documents over a period of years to make sure because it's going to take them a while to catch up to you as far as matching the forms that they get versus what you report on your return
0: okay all right thank you very much thanks for the call yeah that um three to six they say actually for uh, in certain cases can go back six years but uh, be sure to keep at least three years uh and it says j- uh, most audits usually occur in the, the that's sort of the two to three year time frame because as you said uh things move slow there are a lot of tax returns that americans file that the irs has to wade through so don't expect uh, that you know you uh, six months later you're in the clear or whatever because you just want to make sure that you keep that documentation for a number of years we've got another caller and it's Jim has called in today. Good morning, Jim. Hi, Jim. Are you with us? Jim, on the road. Are you there?
3: Uh, The name is Ken. Are you trying to reach me? Sorry about that. Go ahead, Ken. No problem. Thank you uh, for taking my call. Just to speak to the uh, idea of uh, tax preparer certification, the Internal Revenue Service set into place a policy trying to require registration, and there is a program called the RTP, which is the registered tax preparer. The mandatory part of that uh, IRS ruling was uh, stricken down by the courts in Loving versus the commissioner, so the IRS cannot mandatorily require a registration, but they do do have it as an optional program, Mm -hmm. and I would recommend to uh, taxpayers, as in any purchase buyer beware, Mm -hmm. To seek out a preparation firm that is uh, permanent in nature, in other words, has a year-round location and ability to respond to some of the questions like you've asked about responses to the Internal Revenue Service uh, audit and appeals to their appeal division and further to uh, the taxpayer's right to appeal uh, to the uh, tax court. Uh, all of those are uh, opportunities that the uh, tax preparer uh, assists the payer with in preparing their returns. Um, I happen to be an enrolled agent, and enrolled agents are similar in uh, tax knowledge to uh, certified public accountants. Many accountants don't prepare taxes. Many prepare financial statements and consult on financial matters but are not uh, equipped nor educated to uh, properly prepare a a, uh, tax return. So I would caution uh, taxpayers and uh, buyers of uh, services in tax preparation to be uh, checking credentials. Uh, There's a National Association of Enrolled Agents where you can check for uh, people that have that credential, and that allows the practice of uh, representation before the service. And further, uh, tax attorneys and uh, Practitioners before the tax court and the ability and the credentials to represent the taxpayer in case of an elevated uh, appeal. All right. So I thank, thank you for that uh, opportunity to speak to the point, and I'll or get off the line and let's listen to your responses. All right, great. That was great thanks thanks information. Call, and
6: yeah. I think what he points out, too, is if you have a serious situation with an audit, um, it is always helpful to have that reputable professional with you Um, and who can guide you through that process, somebody who's been through an audit before and knows how to communicate with the IRS and deal with the situation.
7: All right. And, and that was a good point, too, about <clears throat> we said, you know, obviously check someone's credentials and certifications. But also, as he pointed out, check their experience. You know, if it's a CPA who's never actually done taxes, they're not going to be very yeah, useful right. to you. So, yeah. so that's a very good point. Who has the experience uh, filing taxes and has been actually filing taxes for a while?
0: All right. Let's get one for a final call in before our last break. And we hear from Brad in Mobile. Good morning, Brad. Go ahead. Good Morning. Thank you. Um, Gosh, so many comments,
4: so much good information. Um, I work with the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, and I wanted to mention this particularly for your... Um, your low-income listeners, and it's not necessarily terribly low. Um, VITA is the, the income threshold is 54000 and then there's tax counseling for the elderly, which focuses on people age 60 or better, I call it. Um, and so those are located throughout the country, and, and, and people need to know that those are options available. And those volunteers have to be certified annually. I take five tests a year to do what I do. Um and so that's a good option too, particularly for low income filers. There are limits to what volunteers can do, but they're not as restrictive as people think. We can do limited schedule C particularly C E Z for self employment. We can do brokerage statements, we can do um you know, itemized deductions and the common things that most Individuals have, um, and it's just good for people to be aware that that is an option um, with some certification from the IRS behind it. The other thing is, is there was a notice that went out. Going back to your debt collector comment, um, there was a, a notice that went out from the IRS. They are going to start using a third-party uh, provider or more than multiple providers uh, to make phone calls. But what they're going to do first, apparently, is they're going to send you a letter, and then they're going to, I think, have the company that they're, in, the, in that letter they're going to say this company will be contacting you about your debt and then that company has to send you a letter first and then you may start getting calls from that private debt collector company. There's a, there's a news release from the IRS on it as well.
0: All right. Thanks for the call, Brad. Uh, This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. As we go to break, uh, we talked about uh, enrolled agents and something from IRS.gov says they're licensed by the IRS. Enrolled agents are subject to a suitability check and must pass a three-part special enrollment examination, which is a comprehensive exam that requires them to demonstrate proficiency in federal tax planning, individual and business tax return preparation, and so forth. So as the caller mentioned, uh, that's a good thing to keep in mind when looking for uh, help preparing taxes. One final break this hour. When we get back, we will wrap things up on Monday. Talks on MPB Think Radio. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
6: Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy Series, this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
2: You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
6: Call
5: 1-877-MPB-RING.
2: That's 877-672-7464.
5: Or email money at mpbonline.org.
2: This is MPB Think Radio.
0: On MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft and Nancy Lotter Janderson from New Perspectives. We've been talking a lot about being audited, had a lot of good calls, folks calling in with some really good information for us. Uh, we've got here now a uh, personal finance related uh, email uh, specifically about uh, credit cards, and it says, I finally paid off that nasty little Visa credit card. Hooray for that. Uh, should I cancel the account or should I leave it? It does not charge an annual fee. Which choice will help my credit? My score is 755 and I'd like to raise it. I recently read an article in USA Today saying that credit rating agencies are going to start looking at the potential of going into debt. A credit card not being used would be high potential. So any thoughts on this one?
7: Firstly, congratulations uh paying off that credit card. Uh 755 is already a very good credit score. Mm-hmm. It's going to be once you get a higher credit score, it's a little harder to move the needle, but it depends a little bit on how long you've had that credit card, but if it's not charging you an annual fee and you're not using it, I would use it, you know, maybe once every year for a small purchase or put a small recurring purchase on it. Keeping that credit card around is not going to be a problem and may actually help, Uh, particularly if you haven't had it for very long, because one of the things, it's a very small part of your credit score, but one of the things they do look at is how long you have had your credit accounts open for. So the longer you keep that out, the better. And they look at an average over all of your accounts. So as long as you're using it well, and if you've paid it off and you seem to know what you're doing, that shouldn't be a problem, Uh, keeping it around is going to be a good idea. I don't I don't know if they're going to make a change, but to, um, look, like you said, looking into the potential of going into debt, but the way that the score is currently calculated, then keeping it around is going to help your score a little bit.
0: Any thoughts? I'm with him. Okay. I, I would agree. From what I've learned is that um, they look at your total available credit and how much you use. And so if you have a credit card that has no balance on it, then that, that looks good because you, that gap is a little bit wider there. So uh, also, I think you have to kind of um, really talk to yourself and, and, you know, what kind of person are you? Are you someone who's liable uh, to f- fall into some bad habits? And well, maybe- you could
6: do what was suggested before, which is uh, a caller said, put the credit card in ice in the freezer.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: So, <laughs> you know, it's going to take a little while for it to thaw out and you'll have time to think about it before you uh, head out and make that purchase
0: actually I had that situation I, I had a credit card that I paid off and I um, I did not close the account and uh, they sent me the new one uh, just a couple of months ago and I, was, I really had forgotten and so it's it's stuck in the drawer and not not being used there but uh, and so um, I think there are arguments on both sides of that but again sort of evaluate what your uh, situation is and uh, and make an informed decision uh, next week we'll continue sort of a tax related theme on money talks you know uh, we're near the end of the tax season uh, and people are getting returns back in the near future. So next week, we'll help you with some ideas on how to use that return uh, to kickstart your retirement fund, maybe your first venture into investing, uh, maybe something as simple as beginning to save money for the future. That'll be coming up uh, next week on Money Talks, plus, as always, uh, your personal finance questions. And as we say, that first steps of of starting to save some money are always a little bit difficult, but uh, once you do that, uh, you'll be uh, amazed at how easy it is, and you'll be on the road to uh, a little bit of a better financial future. So that is going to wrap us up for today money talks is a production of mpb think radio funded in part by generous financial support from you our listeners uh, if you need to hear today's show or previous show one way that you can find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks there's also the mpb public radio app you can download that and then listen to money talks on your schedule our show is produced by jay white and our call screener is java chapman so for nancy lotridge anderson and writer taff i'm Kevin Farrell. Spotting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Monday. I'm sorry, next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks right here on MPB Think Radio.